Not long ago, I spoke with a board chair about lessons learned from a failed search. When my guest today, what my guest today calls the accidental interim, what I used to call in the world of divorce, the transitional girlfriend. I asked him what the biggest lesson was for him. The board chair responded, that's so easy. I would have hired a professional interim. So I've been around the nonprofit leadership block a few times, and I think I have as many questions about this as you do. It wasn't really a thing a while ago. You just searched and hoped for the best. But today we have professional interims. What does that mean? An ED in limbo? What, how do you establish credibility and trust with the staff and the board? Do you actually have any authority? Does it just prolong that sort of pause or wait and see button that some donors hit during a transition? Transitions really put organizations in a very vulnerable state. Why prolong it? I figure if I had these questions, you would too. So I went and found us an expert, a professional interim executive director. More and more organizations are entertaining the idea or wish they had. Let's find out why. My guest is smart and has clearly made a world of difference at organizations she has led. So it's time to dig into the world of the nonprofit leader who comes pre-fired. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, author, blogger, and founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab gets it. She is here to help. Margot Amgott provides transitional support to mission-oriented nonprofits through her consulting company, Amgott Interim. She served in leadership roles in state and local government, higher ed, and leading nonprofits. She holds a master's degree from NYU's Graduate School of Public Service and a BA from Barnard. She currently serves as the interim ED for Studio in a School, overseeing visual arts instruction by artists to more than 30,000 students each year in publicly funded schools and early childhood centers in New York City. Previously, she served as interim CEO at Hearing Health Foundation, served twice as interim executive director at the Jewish Community Project Downtown, interim associate provost at Hunter College, and ED of the NYU Child Study Center. Earlier in her career, Ms. Amgott directed the city's early intervention program for kids with delays and disabilities and spent more than 15 years at Columbia University overseeing student health and campus wellness. Margo, when we spoke a few weeks ago, you taught me, you taught me a lot about the real value in interim ads to an organization. So first off, I just really want to say thank you. You've done a You've done so much good work across so many sectors for nonprofits that really need stability at a time of maximum vulnerability. So on behalf of those organizations, our listeners, thank you and welcome. Thank you so much, Joan. I'm, I'm thrilled to get to talk about the thing I love most about work, and uh, I really appreciate your interest in it. Uh, terrific. So, um, so how did you did, how did you get into this interim business? Who were you before you became a full time interim? Who was I? Um, I was, in my own assessment, a good enough senior administrator in a series of really wonderful places. I worked in nonprofits. I worked in major healthcare organizations and in higher education, Columbia University, NYU Medical Center, Downstate Medical Center. Uh, New York City and several different agencies, including the local health department. I did ran wonderful programs, did line and staff work. I think I was good enough, as the psychologist Winnicott used to say, good enough. <laughs> um, but I don't think that I was in any way unique. And 
at a certain settling out point when I had had what I thought was going to be my dream job in a leading academic medical center that I had studied as a graduate student and really read everything there was to read about because what they do is unique. When I started to look back at that job and think about what I hadn't loved and where I didn't feel that my contribution was was unique, I realized that I'd had a series of experiences doing interim work that really got to me. They really excited me. I felt I brought more to the party and more to the table than I ever had before. And I began to realize that in doing those roles, when I would talk to friends and colleagues, they thought it was bizarre. They couldn't imagine <laughs> I loving them and leaving them. And I'll, I'll probably return to that phrase a few times because it, it really, it's um. um. But I looked at a series of experiences I've had and thought, I wonder if you could make a living doing that. Just being the person who comes in at a particular inflection point, steadies things, improves things, and then leaves them in really good hands. I wonder if you could do that. And lo and behold, I was approached by um, a wonderful and very senior recruiter who said she was pitching to do a search, a permanent executive director search, and that the board had identified a need for an interim. Would I be interested? And I said, absolutely, 100%. Let's see where this goes. Um, <laughs> they did a very serious search for the interim. They interviewed many people, checked lots of references. And long story short, I got that job and I was launched. And I realized that you both can make a living doing this, but also you can bring something unusual and rare to organizations at a point at which, as you said, they really, really need it. It is a vulnerable time for them. And it made me feel like I, I had sort of hit my stride. It's fascinating because I actually thought perhaps someone had, maybe you were between jobs or something and that you had been asked to be an interim and kind of really fell in love with it. But what I'm hearing is that you actually were already thinking about, gee, maybe I should do this. And then somebody asked you if you would, isn't that, that's a love, that's a lovely uh, sort of intersection, isn't it? It, it? It really is. And, and both parts are right. Your hunch is right. And what I said was right because I had been asked to do this time and time again while I kept my day job. Uh So uh, someone who's been a mentor to me for many years in my work at Columbia and beyond had asked me, I was her chief of staff at the time, had asked me, could you go over to this department and figure out what's going on? Keep doing what you're doing, but could you also do that? Uh Let me know what it needs. Tell me how we're going to fix it and then come back to this. And I did that a number of times and I loved it. And again, it sort of, called to me to do this very rapid learning curve, make a difference fast, figure it out, get it better. But these were in the context of a large organization where I had an underlying position that I was fulfilling day in and day out. And this was in addition to, and it really was a question about whether you could be just the professional interim as you framed it and just do that for the organization and not return to something else in the organization, but really cut it and leave. Right, right, so that's, right. That was the huge transition for me was identifying that as as the next phase of my work. I suspect it will reveal itself as we continue through this conversation because uh, I, I found myself thinking as you were just talking about the Columbia and the chief of staff and going into a, we'll f- figure out what's wrong with that other department and see if you can fix it, come on back. feels very consultant-like as opposed to uh, interim. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to park that and maybe come back to it. Um, Good. so <clears throat> let's start with the vocabulary lesson, Margot. 
I believe that oftentimes the words acting and the words interim are used interchangeably. And you educated me that they are quite different. So um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to educate the folks who are listening. Thank you. Um, Yes. An acting job, which certainly I've done as well, and is more likely to, to occur in a large organization where there are layers of people, and you have someone you can sort of sluice over. Sometimes it's a sideways sluice, and it's a colleague who said, you know, while we're doing the search, could you also run that department too, or mm-hmm. that, that aspect of our work? Um, and they step into place temporarily. Sometimes they get relieved of their existing duties, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're covering up, and I don't mean a cover-up, right. but sometimes you're, you're rising in the organization and you've been a line report to someone, that someone leaves and you're asked, could you fulfill your boss's role for a temporary period of time? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difference with a distinction because an interim is given full charge. An interim comes in to only do that. There's no other complication in the organization. They're not a board member, and sometimes you see board members in smaller nonprofits stepping in as acting. An interim has only that job. This is what they are um, are, are delivering, is this, this time and space to bridge from the old to the new. And acting can't really be that bridge because they have an existing history. They are hopefully going to have a history when it's all over, though I'll, I'll try to say more about that in a second because I think it's a, an important point about the advantage, and obviously this is self-serving, I admit, but the advantage of an interim over an acting. Um, what sometimes happens is the acting is also a candidate for the job. Yes. Sometimes deliberately, they know from the outset, I, I could do what my boss used to do. I want that. Or sometimes when they're, once they're in it, they think to themselves, this is so cool. I've got more visibility. I'm making more money. I'm being challenged anew. I want to do this, and they throw their hat into the ring. That then sets up a whole set of consequences. Are you on the world's longest job interview? Yes. Is this, you know, are you are you auditioning for six months? Um, very difficult auditioning without the authority, without the clarity, and still with the rest of your colleagues trying to figure out who you are and how they relate to you. Do you think that boards sometimes find that really appealing, like that in, inappropriately so? it's certainly the easier road. If there's somebody in place who has promise, it is certainly the, oh my goodness, I'm covered. You know, the interim has one huge disadvantage. They generally don't know you. They don't know the organization. Now that learning curve is on them. It's on me to figure it out. But I must say, the more generous the board is in terms of their time and attention in those early days and weeks, the better this all goes for everybody to fulfill what an interim can really bring. But they are a babe in the woods day one, whereas the acting knows the organization, which has pros and cons, as, yep. as you can imagine. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that uh, um, this whole notion of the world's longest job interview uh, has disadvantages, obviously, to the person in some ways, right? Because they aren't given full authority. But right. boards can be... Um, kind of drawn to that as a concept because they actually get to test drive the new car, the potential new car, even though that it isn't a fair assessment, but they don't see it that way because the expedient route is to find somebody that can can warm the seat, right? Totally Um, right. And you know what I've seen happen more times than, than not 
is if that person throws their hat in the ring and does not get the job. Yep. Then they leave. leave. Yep. 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 So you've lost talent. You've lost talent. So, okay. So acting executive directors are kind of more like, I'm going to say this and then you tell me if I've got this right. So acting executive directors are kind of placeholders, often internal, that are sort of keeping keeping the trains running. But an interim has some kind of authority or heft, and the board actually hands some legit responsibilities to the interim rather than seeing themselves in charge and the acting, uh, sort of the acting as a bit of a kind of do no harm kind of babysitter. Did I, did, is that a, is that a fair replay? I think you got that exactly right. Um, And you touched on something earlier that I think is worth pulling back into this thread. And that is the interim is both a line manager and a consultant to the board simultaneously. Yes. 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 Yet in the acting, they are doing the job, but they don't have that, that pivot point with the board. Yeah, they don't, and they and they come with no agenda whatsoever, other than to make that transition as smooth as it can possibly be, and to set the new person up to succeed. So, um, good point. But let yeah. me just give you my sort of disruptor comment. Which I'm is ready. As smooth as it can possibly be, given that by design, the person is a novice at this organization. Mm-hmm. They're not a novice at organizations writ large. But at this one, and generally, boards who are smart hire the interim less than five days a week. So ah. I'm a four-day-a-week on my current gig. I was three days a week on my previous one. So the design to that is so that you're not confusing people and you're not confusing the staff that you can do exactly what the previous person did. I and see. what that allows for is tasks and responsibilities have to get sort of reassessed and reassigned. There's only so much you can do three or four days a week, Ah. especially new and especially temporary. The learning curve is not going to go on for two years. It's going to go on for a very finite period. Steep as you make it, and you do make it steep, there really is only so much you can take on. And that allows, if you're creative, if your board can tolerate a little discomfort, if your staff is up for it, a sort of winnowing of tasks that may have been attracted to the previous executive director may have wound up in their office, but may need to go somewhere else. There may be a more logical place. Work needs to flow into the right places. And every executive director, me included when I was a permanent person, we all glom onto things that appeal to us or feel timely or speak to our strengths. Yes. And those things may need to go to a more natural home once there's this succession. So it's Ah. not always smooth. There are moments where in every organization I've been in, a staff member will appear in your doorway and say, well, such and such needs to happen. And Chris, who is my immediate predecessor in this job, Chris used to do that. And the assumption is, so you're going to do that, or you've already done it, or you knew about it somehow, get it done. And my answer is generally, huh, okay, so tell me about that thing. Well, I don't know. Chris (laughs) used to do it. Cool. Let's engage on this. I need to know more. Give me some things to read. I'll dig in the files. You dig in the files. Let's have a conversation about how to get that thing done as opposed to, oh, okay, that must be on my list. I better get it done. And that allows then a clearing out and a clearing house and a clarity for the next person, for the permanent person. The job has become leaner. 
And they then have the opportunity in that leaner state to take on things that feel particularly pertinent to them and to the organization at that moment. Wow. So it really allows the organization to be ready and have that executive director ready to approach whatever is hot and important at that moment, as opposed to the vestigial responsibilities that are carried forward. I wonder if the folks listening are having the same kind of aha moment that I am. I have been recently focused on, um, you know, Stephen Covey taught the seven habits of highly effective people, and he talks about big rocks and, you know, folks who focus on the gravel. And I've been talking a lot about that. And I, I guess some people have not read that book, so they they think it's quite wise and new. Um, but, uh, and I have been saying to nonprofit leaders that they're drawn towards the gravel. And they're drawn towards the gravel because it's sometimes it's security, it's safety, it's the thing they know, the thing they're good at, and that if they don't start to actually let go of the gravel, they won't they won't retain staff who are looking for more interesting things to do and growing in their jobs and they won't they won't there will be no there'll be no space in the jar for the rocks. So I I I this is really, really interesting to me because you're, what you're saying is that if you do this job right, you allow the new person to come in with a leaner slate of activity, less gravel. And then when they look at the job oh, description, right. when they look at that job description the board put together, which has taken them three months, which really should just say Messiah wanted, then um, <laughs> then um, then the, the person can actually really understand, kind of get a sense of what the big rocks are and be able to come in and actually start to really tackle them. So let me ask you a question. Um, I ask you, are, do you, are you a fixer or are you an assessor? And before, before you answer that question, I guess I should ask this one, which is what's the shortest amount of time you've been an interim and the longest amount of time you've been an interim? Uh, that's a great question. And it really runs the gamut. I've gotten smarter each contract and each client, and I have very specific terms for extending contracts now. Uh, the shortest I've ever done was, was three months. Mm-hmm. Um, the longest I've done has been just shy of a year and a half. Wow. Okay. Boy, those are very different. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, and I like really different gigs, I suspect too. Um, yes. so let's go back. Um, fixer or are you kind of that consultant who is an, an assessing the situation? So fixer or an assessor? I hate to do this to you. Both. both. Okay. Um, you know, you, you, you take the organization as you find it mm-hmm. and you take the appetite of the staff and the board as you find that. Um, some very much want to engage with you. Some boards, for example, very much want to engage with you about how they can be the most effective board they can be. And the appetite for that and the comfort for that waxes and wanes. But, but there's a, what have you seen in other organizations? Can you help us do that? Mm-hmm. Is this the right time to launch a capital campaign or do something else monumental or change something in our scope or our mission? Some of them really feel like they've got this person in their midst that they may never have again if they play their cards right. Correct. And this is all, this is the consultant to the board kind of yeah. role, isn't it? The staff as well. Um, I'm doing some really interesting work with the staff at my current organization 
Um, and I hadn't predicted this. Um, they really want, they want the day-to-day fixer and they want me, they want me to be as smart and as capable as my predecessor was, but they also are hungry to think through what does collaboration mean for them Hmm. and how do you know it when you see it? Hmm. Um, And we've been doing a series of little engagements as things come up sort of bringing little pieces of, of social technology, if you will, to try to get at some of that, to try to get at decision-making in this organization and role, role assignment in decision-making so that everyone's clear about what collaboration means. It doesn't mean agreement and it doesn't mean you do it my way. It means how we get into the mess together and what comes out at the other end and how I see my thoughts reflected in that decision-making and how you see yours. Um, so they've been really eager to learn from that. And, um, and that's been really fun. So you never know. There is a huge amount of granularity in my current job that uh-huh. I hadn't anticipated. Um, and some of that I'm trying to sort of uh, reframe and find other homes for, as I think it makes sense. And some of it I'm just gamely learning, fixing, doing, getting it done. Got um, it. We just hired 25 new artists to work in the schools and rehired about 100 of our re-existing ones. That was me writing each letter, setting each salary for each of 125 artists. Right, that's Which was interesting. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty gravelly. Um, yeah. So, if you were advising a board today that was that knew that they were going to be in a transition, um, what what would you what would you need to know about that organization to be able to to recommend to them whether they should go the interim interim route or just go full bore into a search for a new person? Yeah, obviously, I have to pitch the interim thing whenever I'm interviewing for a specific interim gig which I'm so happy to do. But I have been asked by boards and, and twice recently, should we hire an interim? What is this thing? How do we think about it? And I've developed a little quick and dirty PowerPoint that I send out and then I jump on a call or appear and talk to them about it. And in one case, I said, you need one. And in one case, I said, I don't think you do. And the I don't think you do was for a brand new organization that was just getting sort of its feet wet Ah. with a very active and wonderful small board and a clear mission and funding in place. And I I just didn't think that they needed it. They needed to hand off some control from the board to a person and they could do that equally well. They could just get started already. The other place, when I heard from the board and heard their confusion and concern over how the, the former executive director had functioned, they were full of praise. For the person, but there were issues. And I said, how will those issues get sorted out if what you do is do a search and put a person in? Yeah. Will you have really figured out what works well for you and for your community and what doesn't? Where do you get the space to do that if you're in a search, which is you assessing candidates and then wooing and trying to sell the ones you want? How do you do that? I don't know that boards can do that or anyone can do that simultaneously. The brain isn't meant to push pause and stop and move forward at the same time. So I generally say, if you're really happy with the way things are, and if your existing leadership has an unlimited time to stay in place while you do the search, and if you think that that person who is currently in place is going to be helpful and supportive in the search and not in any way air any grievances that will eventually get into the hands of the candidates, then 
just do the search. But but rarely do people have unlimited times with their outgoing executive directors. I am, um, as I listened to you talk, um, I also know that boards are really impatient to check the box. I also know that we are in a time and place where you have executive directors who are long tenured, who are starting to reach retirement. And some of those folks, um, uh, some of those folks overstay their welcome and the board is waiting it out and super impatient, right? There's now is already making a list of all the things that this new bright shining star is going to tackle when they come in the door. And the truth of the matter is, um, and, and I, to your earlier point, I, I mean, I think there are so often, I mean, it's true with staffing too, that this board just does not know what it does not know. Um, so there, it feels to me like there's, there are, uh, many more, many more, um, situations where an interim would be a good thing than not. Yes. And a growing number of those as well. Yes. So, and, um, and yeah, the good news, bad news joke around that is the smaller organizations are tending to figure this out faster. Oh, for the wrong reason, which is they don't really have anyone else in place who could step up quickly if something happens fast. You know, somebody leaves for another job quickly or is ill or dies in the job. A planned retirement generally gives you more time, but but small nonprofits don't have a lot of flexibility there. There isn't often a COO uh-huh. who can just step in. That's where you end up often getting board members stepping in as as acting, and that's got its own consequences. But, but I, I give a lot of um, kudos to boards that are willing to not check that box anxiously and suspend and wait and allow themselves to go through this process, which every board I, I know, and not just the ones that have hired me, but the ones that have hired my colleagues, has said, wow, this has made us a better organization. We're a better board for this. Yeah, that's absolutely, it sounds right. So we are having a conversation about what is the world of the professional interim CEO. And we're joined by Margot Amgott, who provides uh, transitional leadership through her firm, uh, Amgott Interim. And there are a vast array of nonprofits that have benefited from her fixing, assessing, readying uh, during times of transition. Um, Let's talk about fundraising, Margot. Uh, I, I was thinking to myself, wow, you were an interim for 18 months someplace. Do you actually make asks during that period of time? Sort of what happens to revenue? Because as I said at the very beginning, you get a lot of donors that want to know who's going to be the person who's going to be in that seat, that leader. That, you know, that's, that leader means a great deal to a donor wanting to know who the leader is and where, the, where they're going to take the organization. So are you a fundraiser? Uh, yes. It's wow. different. <laughs> it's different in every organization. My goal is always retention. Um, if you can retain the existing donors at a high level, yep. you're doing something right in terms of uh, the opposite of that disruptive model I mentioned in, in sort of smooth sailing. Yep. And you're often able to do that, especially if you and the staff together can find a way to frame who's coming in and do some outreach around that. The, the best example I, I have of that, and this is true of my current organization and my last one, they wrote to every major donor 
in advance and said, you know, we're thrilled to announce this is what's happening. So-and-so was great, but they're gone. This is the person who's coming in. Here's how you can reach her. Here's who she is and her background. And in each case, we got letters from donors saying, oh, okay, cool. Have her call me when she's on site, or I'd like to know more about this. Now, in each case, and it was more foundations than individual givers. Right. Foundations have said, hold, please. Um, we need to know more, and we're going to take a somewhat conservative view towards this. Okay. I've not had anyone say no. I have had in my last place a donor say, a foundation donor say, um, since you believe the permanent person will be on fairly shortly, I would like to wait. Yep. I am not saying no, but I would like to wait. And I said, got it. I understand. Um, and we continued to engage with that person. We continued to treat them like a current funder. We continued to really work with them. And the minute the new person came on, together we sort of launched an approach to that person. Fantastic. So, so, you, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a steward. It, there's a lot of stewardship with the current base. And what I also heard in that, which I think is super important, is I heard um, that that organization did a really great job of marketing the value proposition of an interim. And I'm going to guess that that's not always the case. Correct. Right. I got to guess that that's actually one of the most important uh, um, components of success. I think you're right. And I think it has to do with the staff being able to sort of metabolize the change and feel okay about it. And I think it has to do with the board not feeling defensive about why the last person left. Mm-hmm. If everyone can be a little bit sort of macho about it together, right. even if it's a little bit of bluster, then donors sense that too. Donors sense of vulnerability. In one situation in my current gig, um, a foundation made a very clear statement. We are going to fund this. Yep. We are not giving you three years of funding. We're going to give you two. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hold you accountable for the whole project. You slice off whatever feels like the right chunk, given the funding we're giving you. But until you are steady and have a permanent person, that's what we can do for you. Yep. That makes sense. And, you know, what you ask from donors, and in each of the cases I've just given you, we got, is clarity. Don't disappear. Tell us what's on your mind. Um, you asked if I uh, did ask, and yes, indeed, the the organization that I served 18 months for is an organization that I... Um, did a return visit to. So this was my second gig with them, which uh-huh. did give me a leg up on their donors. Totally. And I hand-selected some of the more difficult donors to be on my docket. Uh-huh. Um, and some of them were senior board leaders who really no one on the staff should be asking. That should be me. Yep. Or some lapsed donors uh-huh. who needed to be re-engaged. And I figured how better to re-engage them than to show them how thoughtful this board is at this time in taking on this road less traveled, more difficult path, perhaps slower path to getting somebody to get the right person. Um, and was rewarded with some generosity in several yeah. really key cases. People stepped up, people made bigger gifts um, in a couple of really key areas. So it, 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 it is the number one thing to really think through um, 
But I think it's all about the face you put forward about this being an enormously positive thing for the organization. Right. It's not, it is, it, 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 if you treat it like limbo, people feel it like limbo. And let's talk right. about people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's talk about the people that, act, uh, that do the work. Let's talk about staff. Mm-hmm. How do you build trust with the staff during an inter, as an interim ED, what's the what's the what's the recipe to success there? Gosh, if there is one, would you please send it my way? <laughs> Anyone listening to this, if you got one, you know every organization is so different. I mean, the missions are different, the culture is different, the length of tenure of the staff left behind on the ground is different. Their needs are different, and the degree to which their needs were met by the previous executive so different. Um, so it really depends, and and part of this very steep learning curve that someone who does interim leadership takes on and has to take on sort of eagerly and hungrily. Like I know every day is going to be 10 new acronyms that I don't understand and 10 new issues that the staff is going to bring me that are going to be totally foreign. But, but, but this has got to be exciting, tiring, exciting. Um, you do a whole lot of listening at the beginning, a whole lot of listening to the staff and you listen for what they're saying and you listen for what they're not saying. And you try things. And, and in my current gig with a wonderful longtime staff, um, really dedicated artists and educators in this organization that are called very much by the mission. There's no one there who's sort of a, you know, career nonprofit administrative person. They are all really called to what they do. Um, Showing that even though my background is very different from theirs, I am not an artist, I am not an educator. Um, showing that what I bring can really help them take some time and yeah. some trust to build. Yep. I've worked in some places where the staff is so eager that you're there that they knock themselves out to be welcoming and helpful. I've worked with others where there's a little bit of a wait and see and a little bit of a, you know, Dis- I know what distance. I'm doing. I yep. got my job. I got, I, I'm not sure I really need you. I'm not sure I needed the last guy either, but I'm not sure I need you. Or I'm not and, sure I need you because you actually have no sector expertise. That's exactly right. Like you and don't, you don't know time, this stuff like I do. Right. right. And over time, dignifying that and acknowledging mm-hmm. that yep. without, without painting yourself into a corner. Um, you know, I've been in education sector a long, long time. Um, there's a rich family history of, of artists and philanthropy for the artists and so on that, that I, I can bring I can pull a thread from somewhere that's really legit. Yeah. Not the same as theirs, but dignifying that, honoring that, and then beginning to show them what I can do to help and where it is useful. And I generally find the biggest skeptic in the bunch. And I watch that relationship. Mm-hmm. And if at the end of a, of a chunk of time, and I can't say what that chunk is, it's every engagement has a different length. But when I feel like I've been there long enough to know something, I sort of take the pulse internally and think, how am I doing with that person? Oh, that's smart. And, and in my current organization, that, that's been just as true as in the other ones. Just looking to see if you're making a difference for everyone in a very different way. And, and what the feedback is, because they're very, staff are very quick to give you feedback. I tell you what, I think that's a really good piece of advice, even if you're not an interim, in fact, right? Three months in is the person who th- thought I was the wrong person for the job. Has that person shifted? I, you know, I, 
um, often tell the story that I had no fundraising experience at all when I joined GLAAD. And I met with the staff during the interview process, and they all said to the search committee, we we want the other person. <laughs> right? We want the other person. So I walked into a senior staff of skeptics who actually were sort of kind of pissed off, actually, that their voice was not heard and that the board actually made a different call and frightened because they knew that the finances were horrible and they knew that I had no fundraising experience. And so, right, and watching those people turn around and thinking about where they were on day one versus day 90 um, was 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 definitely some kind of a litmus test for me personally about whether or not I was um, kind of sitting in the seat the right way. Um, I want I have just a few more minutes and I have a couple of questions I don't want to forget to ask you. Um, now, while you are there, the board is undertaking a search in most cases. So um, are you what and I'm, you're going to tell me it depends. I know I've already got the I already got this. Um, <laughs> I should just call this episode. It depends with Margot Abgott. Anyway, right. um, what, um, what role do have, what role should an, a professional interim should play in a search? Um, I think the role in the search should mirror the role you play in the organization. So line manager and consultants, you know, speaking truth to the board, in a way, you mentioned that I say that I come pre-fired, which is a wonderful phrase uh, to give a shout out to the Center for Nonprofit Leadership, which trained me as an interim. Oh, nice! This is a phrase that they that they um, that they use. I'm not. Uh, there's no worry on my part about keeping my job. If I'm successful, I don't keep my job. So I can say things to them in the search as I can in the rest of the work yep. that doesn't get said and doesn't get aired otherwise. And I have held roles as integral to the search as being a voting member of the search committee. Wow. I have, I have led the search. I, in my last um, uh, position, I ran the search. They didn't want to use a search consultant. And so I was the search consultant and I did the whole thing soup to nuts. Um, and I've had a very arm's length relationship with the search at times. Uh, you didn't ask this, but the reason I went back to one organization twice was um, they kept consulting me about the candidates and I, they were beginning to, to sort of rally around one and I said, don't hire him. Uh, and they did hire him. Uh, and when it didn't work out, they came back and rang. said, you, right, you told us, but could you come back? So Everything from soup to nuts, and I'm game to do almost anything. I think voting member is a little extreme. Um, I think it it blunts your ability to be the honest broker and the real consultant if you sort of are voting. Um, but certainly advising, recommending candidates, working a lot on the scope document yeah. for the for the description, helping them understand. I know you think you want this, but actually the job is this and so you can change it you can have it be this but what are the things we would have to put in place for the person to be this visionary leader as opposed to this administrative manager you can have either but where you are now is here and it's a reflection it's a mirror for them on what's happening on the ground and what they would have to commit to if they want to change up that job description in more um grander ways 
You have made the most compelling argument for a professional interim. I, I am sitting here thinking, my gosh, why wouldn't you do this? This is just like a gift to an organization to have this person come in. I mean, you know, I'm a consultant, so I'll come in and I may not have a fear of getting fired that just rests with the fact that I'm old. Not the necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily that I come pre-fired. I never like to think that. But, um, but you actually can be a truth teller because, <clears throat> because that's actually, um, because, because you are pre-fired. So it's f- totally fascinating. There's so much that feels so valuable here. So I, um, I just want to ask one last question and then we'll, then we'll let you get back to, uh, let, get back to your, uh, day job and I will, um, you'll go back to fixing, assessing and readying and I'll go back to consulting. Um, how do you love an organization for six months, nine months, 18 months and say goodbye? Um, some days I think it's a character flaw, actually. And I have had staff say to me I, that they really think it's crazy and they really don't understand it. And I immerse myself so totally. And I do love it. But to me, it is sort of serial monogamy. I love it. And then I get it to a point where I don't think it needs me anymore. Sort of back to the point I made at our opening where you said, who were you before you were this? Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, I think my bosses and mentors would tell you I was terrific. I really think they'd say that. But I think I was good enough. I don't think that I was especially distinguished. I was good enough. Here I feel like I bring something that not a lot of people can bring. Not a lot of people can let go of the organization. And it, it does happen occasionally that an intro will say, how about me? I would like to be considered for this job. And every board I've worked for has asked me at one time or another, would you consider taking this job? We love having you here. I really draw a line about that. Not everybody does. But I feel like the the unique qualities that I bring to this and the unique qualities of this role then have to be put down because they have to be sort of left for the next person to then, you've made it as ready as possible. You've made the staff and the board, the facility, the donors, the clients, the other stakeholders, as ready as they can possibly be for this wonderful new leader who's been recruited. And then my magic ends. I'm not that person. And, and I know that, that what calls me is this intensity of temporary leadership. Um, oh, my gosh. So I, um, uh, I just um, had an image in my mind as we get ready to love you and leave you this afternoon. Um, uh, I have an image. I feel like I should send you an umbrella. Um, I feel like I should send you an umbrella after this podcast because it's like you're like Mary Poppins, and um, and I I uh, there's this. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm a complete fanatic about Julie Andrews. I, I, I confess, admit, um, there's a long, complicated, probably you know, thing about that. But anyway, Julie Andrews can do no wrong in my mind. And I was um, at my my beach house uh, on the beach at dusk, and my niece and her two small children were flying a kite together. And uh, my brother uh, sent me a link to the final scene in Mary Poppins. And there is this, they're heading out to fly the kite. And, um, 
And there's just this one image of Mary Poppins looking out the window with both this like wistful, sad thing that she knows she has to go. But also then she turns, and of course, Julie is magnificent, it turns into this kind of smile like, I did this, right? I put this family together. Um, And if this isn't the cheesiest end to one of my podcasts, I don't know what is. But all I want to say is, I, I think that's what I'm getting from you, is that sort of wistful yet, you know, satisfaction that you can have a both and when you um, when you finish a gig. Um, and so, um, uh, so Mary Poppins... Uh, an, um, an umbrella is coming your way. And you. um, I hope that people have really listened hard uh, because I don't think you will hear a more eloquent uh, argument for the consideration of a professional interim than you just did in this last 40 or so minutes. So, Margo, thank you. I think that's a gift to I, – I hope – I hope so many board members are listening or that you share this with board members because they need to understand that there are such benefits if done right. So, and, and if done right, sounds like if they, if they contact Margot Amgott. Um, and um, so um, thank you for the work you do. And thank you so much for educating our listeners today. Thank you, Joan, for this fabulous time and your incredibly great questions and uh, support. Uh, And for me to compare anyone to Julie Andrews, I want you to know, like, you should be downright gobsmacked, Margot. I am indeed. You can't see it, but I carry a very large tote bag to my job. And somebody said to me, one of my staff three jobs ago said, it's like your Mary Poppins. You could pull a hat rack out of that thing. Get out of town. That is hilarious. So, All right. Well, speaking of that. getting out of town, that's where we are both headed. Um, Amen. Uh, hope you have enjoyed this uh, conversation and um, that it has enriched you in some fashion. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, I just kind of am obsessed with doing what I can to make sure that you ha- can be the best leader you could be. So I, um, uh, I look forward to talking with you next time. Take care. Joan Gary's obsession with supporting your work takes many forms. Subscribe to her blog at JoanGary.com, reaching over 100,000 visitors monthly from over 170 countries. Explore the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, the best online resource for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits at NonprofitLeadershipLab.com. Join 15,000 kindred spirits on Facebook at Thriving Nonprofit with Joan Gary.